Hi, this is David Poland with the hot button number 20, how cinemas may be reconfigured by COVID, my first musings. Anyone who's ever read me knows I believe in theatrical exhibition, both aesthetically and financially. Most of the barbs thrown in the direction of exhibition prove nothing but the lack of imagination on the part of the thrower. I don't want to bore you or myself with another long list of misunderstandings about the place of theatrical in the industry. This shorthand will suffice. Theatrical is the rare segment of film entertainment that demands a payment for a single view, and it is by far the most profitable such segment in film entertainment history to last more than a few years. Physical media has had its booms and quickly become marginalized. And the current upswing in VOD, video on demand, after decades of mediocre returns on the wide release scale, is also clearly temporary, the segment of the business most benefited by this moment in covid that said, exhibition has reconfigured itself repeatedly over the last 45 years. Jaws is always given credit for the wide release, but it arrived on 104, excuse me, 409 screens, and it never expanded past 675 screens in its first release. Two years later, Star Wars platformed on 43 screens, and in its first run went as wide as 1,096 screens. There were only 15,000 to 16,000 total screens in America in those years. By 1987, there were almost 21,000 indoor screens in America, and the widest release was Beverly Hills Cop 2 on 2,326 of them. We're also in the midst of a clumsy multiplexing by a lot of single screens around America. This is the first period I run into, burned into memories of the patrons, amongst people arguing against theatrical. In the 1990s, exhibitors used bankruptcies to dump a lot of those awkward multis and to build new multis, Often we're with what were seen as huge numbers of screens, 20 to 30, but many of those were being built with big rooms, over 250 seats, and small rooms, under 150 seats, and the small rooms had pretty small screens, some shockingly small. This was before the arrival even of widescreen TVs, but the joke was already that those screens were like watching a movie on your TV. This is period two that I hear about from exhibition haters. Between 1993 and 2002, in that rebuilding period, the domestic screen count grew from 25,000 to 35,000. And the count has only gone up about 6,000 screens since here in America. The system that was set up by the exhibitors in the 90s, building more theaters with bigger screens but smaller seat counts that can expand seat count for big demand, quote-unquote the accordion system, is still effective. Another little discussed part of that consumer-friendly transition was the very expensive switch from film stock and reels to deli digital delivery and projection. The cost of adding digital projection was in the billions, but annual savings to the distributors, not the exhibitors, was estimated at $2 billion a year at that time. This transition was hand-in-hand -hand with this accordion system of new multiplexes as the cost and physical demands of running, say, one title on six screens with showings every 30 minutes on opening weekend this was not really possible with 35mm film, or at least it was massively challenging every time you attempted it, even with two or three prints, which having two or three prints was rarely available. This was also the period when VHS rental, driven by Blockbuster, was booming. We heard most of the same arguments we now hear about streaming. Blockbuster was sold to Viacom in 1994 for $8.4 billion, and by 2000, it was valued at $4.5 billion. Now it's valued at almost nothing. Domestic theatrical hit the billion-dollar mark for the first time in 1979. It was then it went to the record high of that time at 4.4 billion in 1990. In 2000, it got to 7.5 billion, and it made its biggest leap in a single year in 2002, going from 8.1 billion to 9.2 billion, 
with the arrival of Spider-Man and the arrival of the CG era, which admittedly started with Jurassic Park in 1993, but it was still a specialty act before comic book superhero movies became makeable at a price. High price, but at a price. 2002 also marked the first year in box office history in which the worldwide box office, as primarily defined by films that were generated by Western, Western European countries dominated by Hollywood, passed domestic box office. By 2019, the international box office would deliver more than 2.5 times the revenues of the domestic theatrical market. Between 2015 and 2020, the number of international theaters grew, almost all digital houses, from just under 10,000 digital screens to around 160,000 digital screens. In that same period, the 10,000 analog screens, that's film on a screen, disappeared almost completely. As all that, all that noted, an objective reader can see that the exhibitors have dealt with change on a nearly constant basis since the mid-90s, from cable to new competition from home entertainment, VHS, DVD, streaming, to stadium seating, to a near 100% turnover in how films are played in theaters digitally now, to the internet, to an inexpensive big-screen TVs and homes, and so many other smaller challenges based in change. No one that I know is claiming that streaming, which is really still in its early days, will not be the most dominant delivery system of content moving forward. But the question remains, what does that have to do with theatrical distribution? And aside from the content spending side, or from the content spending side, the only thing it really has to do with theatrical is that the amount of money that was being spent on television, which all semantics game aside is really what streaming is, has exploded massively. When a 10-episode season costs a streamer, which who were maybe in the film distribution business as well, when that 10-episode season costs over $100 million, suddenly the value of what is a meant-for-theatrical movie, which has forever competed with television being under $2 million an hour, is seen in a very different light. Obviously, there are thousands of variations. The first season of Squid Game apparently cost less than an hour of Dave Chappelle. Lucky for Netflix. Smart. Same with Universal in relationship with Blumhouse making the last two Halloween movies for under $20 million. Together, they will gross over $400 million or almost $400 million worldwide. Lucky and smart. Did putting Halloween kills on Peacock as bait cost enough in box office to make it a bad idea? No, not in that case. Peacock isn't big enough to disarm the theatrical run by much. Did the expense of putting Dune on HBO Max cost so much in box office and financial commitments to keep Legendary whole make that a bad idea? Yes. Context matters in every single case, every single choice. There is still risk in every choice. The risk of taking a loss on the expenses of a theatrical release, it's real. And the risk of losing out on a significant piece of revenue and brand building that can come from a theatrical release, equally real. Right now, it is not in fashion to think both ways, at least in the media. But, but and I can't emphasize this enough, none of this is new. Because of the financial scale of television now, the line is much blurrier. But every major studio has been in the business of film and TV for decades. Has Sony ever made as much money on a single movie as they have on Seinfeld? Not likely. Disney has not only been a producer, but they've owned ABC and ESPN for a long time now. And they've created a huge chunk of the revenues for that company, even as Marvel has pushed the boundaries of revenue for a branded film series. All of which brings me back to where I started in this piece. What is the future of theatrical exhibition? Only someone delusional will tell you they know the answer for sure. Hell, even guessing may be a fool's errand, but damn it, I am just that fool. Much as I believe in theatrical, I think we need to consider another period of change in exhibition. The ugly version has been speculated about many times through the COVID area, but all the chains 
were going out of business, according to the experts, through much of 2020 and 2021, a few smaller players have actually gone out of business. AMC got touched by an insane Wall Street event and is stronger now than it was when all this started. I myself was speculating in conversation with industry friends about the potential of the entire exhibition business collapsing down to 10% of where we are now, 3,000 to 4,000 screens in America, or alternatively suffering a 30% drop to like 28,000 screens, 25,000 screens. But I don't think that number is likely because either it'll be closer to current numbers or we'll suffer a more serious drop. The middle is a place that I think we are unlikely to land at least in the configuration we're currently in. As the audiences return to the movie theaters since vaccination started, there's been a distinct lean to premium theaters and the multiplexes. If people are going back, they seem to want the highest quality experience. Noted. Even at a higher price. Noted. So, is there a brand new theatrical paradigm about to thrust itself upon the exhibition world, replacing 25 years of the accordion system? Well, let's look as an example at the AMC Rivers East 21 in Chicago. 3,281 seats on 21 screens. Only two premium screens in there. Dolby and a real D3D. No IMAX. But even with the two screens they have, only Dolby is used every day. The real D3D won't be used this week, for instance, until Eternals lands on Thursday of this week. Even though Bond has a 3D version in real D available. Uh, Last Night in Soho is the one in the Dolby room there. This is a 20-year-old theater in downtown Chicago. Even with no matinees and showtimes being taken for a number of films with on-caption, excuse me, on-screen captions, they have four screens with films you've likely never heard of. They have a dock and a quiet place, too, still playing. And Ghostbusters. Yes, the original Ghostbusters. So what should that theater look like in 2025 to be thriving? Would they be better as the River East 14 with three more premium screens? Here in Los Angeles, AMC has recently taken over the Grove Theaters. They were built for luxury by the outdoor mall developer Rick Caruso 19 years ago. And those theaters have done huge business in the past. They had a 4DX screen, but not now. No premium screens at all, no premium sound, 14 screens, 2,939 seats, but no space for a physical expansion beyond where they currently are. The way this mall is built, there's nowhere for them to go. A new space has opened up, actually, in the mall nearby, but it will be filled by a massive new Apple store. So what is the future of this space? What will they add? Can they add? Should they add? Well, that is what I will start trying to project in earnest in the second newsletter of this series. Until tomorrow.